we're so glad to see you guys here this week. And, and you know, of those that will be watching this later, you know, we, we put this on usually later in the day or, or sometimes on Mondays. But if you've never really ever joined us live, I'm going to welcome you to come and join us live here on Sunday morning. I mean, um, I think it's... It's okay to watch TV. It's okay to watch church on TV, but it's not the same thing as being in the house. Come on. There's something about being in the house that changes the whole atmosphere of what you're doing and everything else. So uh, I'm going to encourage you, if you're watching out there later, come and join us every, 10, uh, every Sunday morning at 1030. That's my best announcer voice. But last week, we started a new series called Say What? Y'all ever, ever had that question mark? You're like, say, what did you just say? I didn't understand anything that you said. But we talked about how the Bible has basically stood. We're going to talk about God's Word again. And this is my old taped-up Bible. Uh, and they say a Bible that's falling apart usually is in the hands of someone who's not. Come on, this has got tape on it. I, I'm not saying that my life doesn't fall to pieces every once in a while, but you know what? This is the, what stands the test of time right here. It's the Word of God. But we talked about how the Bible has stood the test of time because it's eternal. And we also talked about how it's really not a priority in the world today. It's not really a priority. To, let me, the, the, the terrible thing about it, it's not really a priority in the Christian's life anymore. We talked about the importance of the word and also about knowing God's word and being able to talk about it. Did y'all like that clip last week of Medea? Yeah. Was that not hilarious? Did she not butcher the whole Bible story? She did. You know what? I've been around people that try to tell me a story, and, and sometimes I'll watch these. Uh, if you haven't watched The Chosen, you need to watch The Chosen because The Chosen is awesome. My wife said you got to repeat that all the time. But I've often watched a lot of movies, and I'm thinking, I don't know how biblical that is. I don't really know how. I, my spiritual guide started going up. Well, I don't know if I believe that or not. But let me just tell you, uh, sometimes we can get in a habit of quoting things. Today, I'm going to talk to you a little bit about where misinformation started and also quoting things out of context. But you gotta know your Bible, and there's a lot of misquoted stuff out there, there's a lot of misunderstood things, and there's a lot of things of the Word of God that's taking out of context. Let's give you a couple. Money is the root of all evil. How many have ever heard that one? Well, we're gonna talk about that one in a couple weeks. It's, the Bible says, for the love of money is the root of all evil. Hey, y'all want to start throwing me some money up here? I, I won't get evil, I promise. Just kidding, y'all. Religious folks, sit down there for a minute. Have you ever heard this one? God works in mysterious ways. People say, the Bible says God works. Yes, there's a lot of things that says God works in mysterious ways, but that particular verse is not in the Bible. Um, God helps those who help themselves. That one's in the first chapter of we don't really know where that's at because it's not in the Bible. Here's another one. To thine own self be true. I know where that one's at. That's in William Shakespeare, chapter one. It's not in the Bible. But so many people quote these verses and they quote things and they put sayings. And, and a lot of this stuff is applicable to the Bible, but the Bible does not really say this. Another one is this too shall pass. Another one is God will never give you, y'all know these, more than you can handle. Let me, let me invite you to go read the book of Job. If you think that. Let me invite you to go look at Jesus in the garden. 
When he never, he gave him more than he could handle. But the good thing about his is God's spirit was there to help them and to release all of those things they needed in their life. But our culture is saturated with wrong ideas about the Bible. They say, the world says, it's full of discrepancies, it's full of contradictions. And, and you know, there's no way that God's description of nature can ever match up to science. Uh, the Bible is full of violence and persecution and prejudice. And here's the one that gets me. It was written by a bunch of ancient people, and it's not really relevant for us today. That's the lie right there we listen to. Yeah, the Bible is a great book. It's the number one bestseller. Uh, it's been distributed all over the world many times over. But so many times I think the relevancy of it is no longer applicable to us. You know what? Also, the Christians, here's the biggest one that the world sees. Christians can't even agree on what the Bible says. So why should we even worry about it, whether it's true or not? Come on, y'all know what I'm talking about. You ever throw a scripture out there on Facebook and all of a sudden you got 47 different interpretations of that scripture? You got every church arguing over it. You got people getting mad at each other. Uh, you know, why should we even worry about the Bible? Because nobody else can agree on it that's a Christian. Have you ever read the... Here's a good one. Have you ever got on Facebook and read the comment section of an article that had been posted? Y'all love to do... I do. It's just so great. Oh, it's so great to read some of this crazy, stupid stuff they put out there. But here's the thing. What you can find out is who actually read the article or who was just reacting to the title of the article. Right? Have you ever read in the comments? They actually must have read this whole thing. Me, if it's more than three paragraphs, that's why I don't read a lot of books, it's probably not going to get read. If it says more, I'm probably going to say not more. I don't want to read any more of it. But most people, they react to uh, the title as more than they react to the article itself. You've got a bunch of angry people, a bunch of crazy people, and a lot of misinformation. But you'll notice how they react. We take the same mindset when we read the Bible. We react before we understand the whole picture that God is trying to, pay, to, to put in us. If you grew up in church, you probably knew this. You probably had a few. Come on, any Christians here grew up in church your whole life? Pretty much, all right. You got a few of those uh, scriptures in your back pocket, right? Come on, you're ready for somebody when they're about to come up in you. You got that scripture just ready to spout out. And as soon as somebody gets on your nerves or does something you don't like, what's the first thing you say? Get behind me, Satan. Y'all know what I'm talking about. You pull out the get behind me Satan card, right? Here's another one, too. Uh, uh, when, when your wife is acting up, you've got to look at your wife and say, woman, submit. How's that working out for you guys in that? I'm saying that my wife is in Washington. She's not on the front row. And, and uh, yes, um, I'm going on from there. She's probably going to watch this later. But, you know, we, we love the quick soundbite. We like to plug in the parts that we want it to be. And, and there's another one that says women should be silent in church meetings. 1 Corinthians 4, 14, 34 says this. Women should be silent during the church meetings. It is not proper for them to speak. They should be submissive just as the law says. I'm not going to go fully deep into this, but there was a whole culture thing right there. There's a lot of powerful women out there that need to be speaking up for who it is. My wife is going to bring you a word next week, and you, you better be ready for it. There's a lot of women we talk about 
following Jesus, they follow Jesus all the way to the cross, and they follow him way beyond that. So some of this stuff that you read, you cannot take it out of context. How many? Let's give it up for our powerful women in the house. Come on. Here's the one that we want to prove our point is, so we do this. Judge not, lest you be judged. By the same judgment you judge others, you shall also be judged. You know, that's the first one we draw out there. Next week, she's going to expand on that particular one and talk about how it's been taken out of context and how we should use it in our Christian life. In doing this, we take the Bible, we cause a lot of damage to people. What's the danger of taking a scripture out of context? You might say, well, what's, what's the big deal, right? The danger of taking the Bible out of context is we end up sending the wrong message. Listen, we're living in some crazy times right now in this world, right? I mean, we got war, and uh, we're going to do some, uh, something towards the end of the service, but we've got wars going on right there. We've got uh, political and racial division, and, you know, listen, let me just be honest with you. Our moral compass as a country is out of whack right now. It's going all over the place. It doesn't need, there's no true north in what we're doing right now. But um, it's leading us to a distortion or a total disregard of the truth. I talked about the truth last night. And there's a lot of people looking out there going, is there really a God? Who is God? There's a lot of options out there. Maybe we, maybe we have to figure out who we want to follow. A lot of people are looking in the world that we live in tonight, today is, where is God? Why is he allowing all of the things that happen and that are happening in this world right now? This misinformation started a long, long time ago. And how does misinformation start? Have you ever played that game? I think it's called telephone. We start on this side of the room, and we, I tell Dylan something, and he tells about 30 people. And by the time he gets to the other side of the room, what is it? It is nothing like what I told Dylan over here because as it's been passed down, passed around to different people, they have changed it. They have made it to what they wanted. To, they've made it to what they wanted to hear. And so there's a lot of misinformation going around the room, and you don't really know where it all started from. Well, we're going to look back at Genesis for uh, for a uh, just a minute. And um, in Genesis, it mentions this is Pastor Johnny's uh, dad joke. Uh, it mentions in the Bible that that's where baseball first started. In the big inning. Johnny, did you like that one? I gave you credit for that one. Because I didn't want to take credit for it. <laughs> Just kidding. Um, but you know what? In the beginning, God, those four words shaped everything that who, everything who we are you have to believe those four words or you might as well just shut the rest of the bible and not even worry about it in the beginning god god created the heavens and the earth he made all of this you believe in in, in evolution you believe in in natural but god created the heavens and the earth but what he did the most thing is he created his masterpiece which is us you may be looking at yourself and going, I don't really look like the Mona Lisa. I don't really feel like a masterpiece. But let me tell you something. In Genesis 2, 7, it says this. The Lord formed man out of his dust of the ground, and he breathed, listen to me, he breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, and man became a living being. Everybody take a deep breath. That's God. That's God in you. Every time you take a deep breath, uh, in the Jewish culture, they, they believe in getting up in the morning and thanking God for their breath because you have the breath of God in you. The Bible also says that you are fearfully and you are wonderfully made. Listen, you're not an accident. 
you're here on purpose. God has a plan for you. He's going to move you into that plan, but you just have to be willing and obedient to go. You know what? I'm also going to tell you that you have an enemy out there. Anybody ever heard of the enemy we have? What's his name? Satan, devil, Lucifer, all of the above. But we have an enemy out there. And why do you think the devil hates you so much? Because you remind him of God. Every time you take a breath, he hates you even more because you remind him or you remind him of God and the things that he can never be. So I'm telling you right now, the enemy's out there to steal, kill, and destroy. And he started out early, early, early on. But listen what God did. God in the, in the garden, he gave them everything that they could ever want. He gave them a beautiful garden. He gave them all the food that they could want. There was paradise. But most of all, what God gave them was communion with him. The Bible says they walked in the cool of the day with him. That's, that's the thing that he wanted the most is have communion with us. He gave dominion and authority over everything in that garden. But here are very few things. When God does something, there are some things he wanted to make very clear. There were some stipulations, and there were some rules, and there were some guidelines. Here's the ones that people don't like. They don't like rules. They don't like guidelines. They don't like stipulations. They just want to do the way they wanted to do. Genesis 2 says this. And the Lord God commanded the man, saying, Of every tree of the garden you may freely eat. It says commanded the man. Remember that. Of every tree of the garden you may freely eat, but of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil you shall not eat, for in the day that you eat of it you shall surely die. The commandment was don't eat it, don't touch it, don't even go around it if you don't have to, because it may be pulling you harder than what you think it is. He placed a choice right in the middle of that garden. Why? Because God did not want a bunch of yes men. He didn't want a bunch of robots walking around. Yes, I will do what you tell me to do, Will Robinson. Y'all don't know that one. He didn't want a bunch of yes men. He wanted to give us free will. He wanted to give us the ability to make our own choices. You know, uh, that's the thing about God. The will is this, the mental ability by which we deliberately choose or decide to take action on. But as soon as we get into this place of this choice, here comes the devil. He's a master liar. The Bible says that, that, that he's called the father of lies. And he hates the truth because you know why? Because the truth is not in him. He's a manipulator. Have you ever had the enemy come into you and start speaking things and manipulate your mind and manipulate the things that you... You just, all of a sudden, you're, you're looking at it, you're hearing a different picture, or you're seeing something different than what it truly is because he's a master manipulator. Look at Genesis 3.1. The serpent was the shrewdest of all the wild animals the Lord had made. One day, he asked the woman, here it is, listen, did God really say you must not eat? You must not eat the fruit from any of the trees in the garden. First thing he does, he comes in, he's twisting it around. He's saying, has God said? He loves to twist the words. He wants to make you doubt that this, what you're about to do, is really wrong. We live in a culture right now, I said last week, we don't really know right or wrong. But he, try to make, he puts it out there to the place where, where it could possibly be true if you don't know the word of God. So he's out there twisting. I love that word. He said, any, any of the trees... He makes you question the authority of God. Why did God say not to touch that tree? I don't have a definition other than God said so. 
Sometimes there's no other definition because God says, don't do that. Don't get around that. Don't be around that. Don't let that inhabit your life. And you, you know, the, and I said this before, the kid's favorite thing is, why? Because God said so. My mom used to tell me all the time, it's because I said so. Don't ask. There was no why in our house. If you did, there was a shoe probably coming at your head 100 miles an hour. So because God said so. Look at Genesis 3, 2. It says, here she's talking back to him. She says, of course we may eat of the fruit of the trees in the garden, the woman replied. It's only the fruit of the tree that's in the middle of the garden that we're not allowed to eat it. God said, you must not eat it or touch it. If you do, you're going to die. She knew absolutely what God said. You know why? Because she'd been in the garden with God. She had walked with him. She had seen him. She had known his nature. She knew the truth, but compromise always leads to disobedience. He said, don't eat it, don't touch it. Danger, don't even go near it. But the first thing, come on, how many times in your life the thing that you want the most is what you can't have? I've told this story. I'm telling it again. Y'all heard it. It's okay. I remember when I was a kid, there was a space heater. It was across the way, and it had a flickering flames. Y'all know those gas heaters. Oh, it looks so beautiful. And my dad told me two or three times, I'd go towards it, and I'd be like, get ready to touch it, and don't touch that. Don't touch that. He went through that process with me. I was about maybe two years old. And finally, he said, go ahead and touch it. I never touched that space heater again because he allowed me to make my own choice. So many times the things that are flickering out there that are looking good on the outside, oh, I'm going to tell you what, there's end and destruction all the way at the other side of that. I know you don't hear a lot of this in church anymore, but that's okay because you're not in just any church. There is a way, the Bible said, there's a way that seems right unto a man. But the end of that way is destruction. It looks good on the outside. It's wrapped around. Oh, y'all know what I'm talking about. It's wrapped in a pretty present. And it's got a bow on top of it. But as soon as you open up that present, you don't know what you're about to get into. I look, here's the enemy, he says. Verse 4. You won't die, the serpent replied. God knows that your eyes will be open as soon as you eat it. And you are going to be like God, knowing good knowing both good and evil. He said, you're not going to die. You're going to be like God. And he did the same thing. He was trying to appeal to the pride and the ego, just like he did with Jesus. When he was standing there, he said, look at Jesus. Look at all this stuff. If you'll just bow down to me, I'll give you everything that you have. And, and, and Jesus' response was, in the, old, in the King James Version, is that it is written. Whenever time the enemy comes to you, you've got to have enough Bible in, to, in your life to where you can combat him with the word. Listen, you can talk, you can read every article in the book, but when you come against, when you stand on the word of God, there's nothing that he can do. He can try to manipulate, he can try to change it, but listen, this is still eternal. This is still eternal. He said, it is written. Where you must worship the Lord your God with all. It shows the importance of knowing the word, but disobedience... Our own desires, you know what it does? It makes us forget God's word. Look at verse 6. The woman was convinced. Oh, she saw that the tree was beautiful and the fruit looked delicious and she wanted the wisdom it would give her. So she took just a little bit of it, the fruit, and ate it. Then she also gave it to her husband who was with her and he ate. Here's what happened. That lie worked. That manipulation worked. 
Because of our fallen nature, we sometimes read what we want to read. Sometimes we, we, we comprehend or we conclude what we want to conclude. And a lot of times we see, oh, but what we want to see. She saw it. It was good. It was pleasant. It was desirable. It looked good. But the Bible said sin is pleasurable for a season. There is a time when, yes, it's fun. They're all six or seven years of my college. It was awesome. But there was no fruit at the end of that seven years. I still didn't graduate. But sin is pleasurable for a season. Yeah, it's fun. Then you get to the point where you're in the pig pen of life, and you're figuring out how in the world did I ever end up down here? What you see is not always what you get. It says their eyes, later on it says their eyes were open. That sounds like a good thing, right? But up until that point, they had only seen through the spirit. They had not seen through their physical eyes. As soon as they took the wrong choice, as soon as they ate that fruit, and that's another thing, it says the, you see the picture of the apple. It just says fruit in the Bible. It doesn't say apple. But as soon as they took a bite of that, their eyes were open, and that was not a good thing. Because up until that point, I said they were only seeing through the spiritual. Now they were seeing things in the flesh. They were seeing things out of the ordinary. And now the enemy had went up to him and told him, they said, we, God, we were scared when you came into the garden. He said, why were you scared of me? He said, also, we were naked. Who told you, you, were, who told you to be scared? And who told you you were naked? And they were like, the devil over here, he did it. The devil made me do it. Here he is. It's all his fault. But so many times, you know, their eyes were open. They were guilty. They were afraid. And, and now they were, their whole, everything that they had known had changed. We listened to the lies. We allowed the manipulation. It led to disobedience. And when it led to disobedience, there was a separation. People often say, this is another thing, that they were kicked out of the garden. No, they were not kicked out of the garden. He made them leave the garden. You know why? He did it for their own good. Come on, y'all know. If he allowed them to stay in there, they would have probably been making the same mistakes over. And there was another tree in there that led to eternal life. They would have been cursed forever. God said, no, I got to separate them until I figure out a plan. The plan was Jesus Christ came into the picture because we were separated from God. We had no hope. Sin had just had, had totally put a barrier up. But when Jesus came, he gave us access to God. Bible says when Jesus, uh, uh, the, when, when he died, the veil in the temple was rent in two. That means it was torn apart. What that did is they gave us access from here. We can now go into the holy place where Jesus is. And Jesus is still doing that today. It says in 1 Timothy 2.5, he says, There is one God, one mediator. There is one God, one mediator between God and man, and that man is Jesus Christ. He became our advocate, and he's still doing it today, and he's still waiting on us today. Let me throw that picture up there, Andrew, just a second. If you've, y'all ever seen that picture? It's probably in like a million houses or two million houses out there, but we see this in Revelation. It says, um, Revelation 3.20, it says, Look, I stand at the door and I knock. If you hear my voice and you open the door, I will come in and I will share a meal together as friends. We often look at this picture, and this is a little bit, bit of misinformation, but I'm going to tie it into where I'm ending here in just a moment. We look at this picture and we, and we picture Jesus standing outside the door knocking on the unbeliever's heart. 
But if you look at the context of Revelations here, we're going to talk next week about some other verses and things that have been taken out of context. But if you look at that, he's clearly not talking to an unbeliever, but he's talking to believers. He's talking to the church. It's addressed to Christian. He's addressing the seven churches in Revelation. And he, the reason he's, he's doing this is because some of those were just spiritually dead. Some of them had lost their love for him. Um, they had turned work into being their focus and what they were actually going after. And they had compromised their beliefs, even teaching false things that they, uh, in the church. Here's the biggest thing. They had become lukewarm. As believers, we can become lukewarm. And we feel like that when we're self-sufficient. We feel like that when we have all, feel like we have all the answers. And when we do that, what we do is we push Jesus on the outside of the door. He's inside of you, but whenever you don't do the things that you're supposed to do, you kind of shove him, and he has to come out. He has to lightly tap on your, on your heart's door, and he has to say, I'm, I'm here. I'm still here. I'm still here. Have you ever wondered why Jesus just don't force his way in? Why don't he just, I mean, he's Jesus. He could can can be a boss. He could just kick the door down, and he can just come right on in and do what he wants to do. But Jesus understands, as we give an altar call here in just a few minutes, he understands what permission is, and permission is sacred. Why does he not do that? He knows that permission is sacred. Love can't be forced. It has to be granted permission to come in. You can't force someone to love you. You can't do it. He wants to invite you in. It's not just about sharing a meal, it says, or hospitality. Listen to this part right here. It goes deeper than that. Inviting Jesus in is allowing him to do some work in our lives. Oh, my gosh. There's the one that gets us right there. We, don't, we want him in there, but we don't want him working. Inviting Jesus into your house gives him permission to dig around in your life. Let him find the good, the bad, the ugly, the everything that you're trying to hide. And what he's trying to do in that line, inviting, he's trying to redeem you and redeem those things that you thought were dead. It means giving him permission to transform your life and make you more like him. Because of this process of transformation can be painful, so many people put Jesus on the outside of the door. They don't listen to the door knocking. They don't, because it's painful. The church in, in Lacedonia, they didn't want to enter this process like the old ways. They didn't want Jesus coming in and changing things. Also, so many times in the church world, we, you know, we live in a culture in the church world too. We don't like God to change nothing. It's worked for the last 200 years, really, has it? So many times I, I believe God is trying to, even in our body of Christ, even in this church right here, he's trying to get us to do things. Behold, I'm doing a new thing in your life. Sometimes the old ways that you've always had in your back pocket or things, that, the old mindsets, God said, I'm trying to change that in your life because, listen, the message can never change, but the methods can. Look at the world. Look at the culture around us. We need to be reaching people for Jesus Christ. And as long as we're telling, hey, the message is still Jesus preached. It's him. It's still salvation. It's still, as long as all those things line up, we can change the methods. It's, you know, the first thing we start thinking about is uh, if we get more money or, or we get a better president or we get a law passed or, or whatever, that everything's going to be all right. Everything's going to be good. But in reality, things, things like that don't really change anything. That's why we need Jesus. Let's all stand if we would, please. Let's put that picture back up there, Andrew, if you would for me, please. I believe, again, this is twofold. This morning, 
I'm going to allow you. Can I just can I just tell you this? You don't know understand freedom until you're standing in a room full of freedom. Ashley's going to we're going to be doing a special prayer here in just a little bit, but you don't understand how free that is right there to know that Jesus stands at the door and he's knocking. They haven't taken our Bibles yet. It may be coming. They haven't taken our freedom yet, but it may be coming. When you look at the pictures of around the world and, and see people being arrested just because they have one of these in their, oh, just because they have this in their house, they're being arrested, persecuted. But Jesus has said, I'm standing at the door this morning our prayer team on the left and the right. I'm standing at the door this morning and I'm knocking. Maybe you've never made that choice, ever let him in in the first place. This morning, the Bible says, if you confess with your mouth and you believe in your heart, you can be saved. That's not the hard part. The hard part is walking it out afterwards. So this morning, with all heads bowed, Maybe that's you this morning. Maybe he's, you've never opened the door to him. And this morning, he's, he's looking for a yes from you. Maybe you've given him a maybe, or maybe you've, uh, you know, you've thought about it. But Jesus is looking for your yes this morning. So with nobody looking around, if you want to say yes to Jesus, and you want to accept him into your life as your personal Savior, you would, let's lift your hands this morning. I see those two or three hands. I see them. We'd love to connect with you here, but also we'd love to not just hand you something that you can carry out of here and fill out. We wanna connect you to the creator of the world. We wanna connect you to him to make your life better. And maybe you're standing here and that, that picture is still for you. You've kind of pushed Jesus off to the side. You've pushed him out of your life because you got busy or you've just allowed things to come in and maybe some sin in your life or something has happened. I got good news for you. He's still standing at the door. He's still knocking. And he says, I just want to come in. So this morning, I'm going to ask you to invite him in. I'm going to ask you to let him come in and have that meal and have that hospitality with you. A friend that sticks closer than a brother. Thank you, Jesus.